showdown smashing. That's UKW for you. This week was back to pretty top quality. It just seems so... I mean, easy is the wrong word, but so simple for them to be able to deliver such great, great work. And one of the reasons why they can do it is because they have a settled team with Brett and Shelby at the um, at the desk. And they've got a combination of great wrestlers who can offer different effects and can create different moods. So you've got wrestlers who are smoothly wrestling entertainment. What I mean is they know how to manipulate crowds. They're really good in the ring. They know exactly what they're doing. I'm talking about people like Cayman Carlisle. Now, tonight he was in a bit of a clunky segment, but it wasn't really his fault. And Paul Hubris, more of whom in a minute. But first of all, let's talk about the Cayman um segment, which was, um, he came out and very honestly addressed his loss last week and wanted a rematch with Cerebral Street. By the way, they'd sorted out the microphone situation. He was easy to hear in this segment, and all the mics were. Anyway, Street was out, never heard him say so much. He said he wants to be the youngest Grand Slam champ. Um, he said, I hope the back of, is the back of your head hurting, because my elbow's hurting a bit. Of course, he's got the hidden blade thing that he uh, beat Cayman Carlisle with last week after Carlisle was, I mean, it's a rookie mistake, distracted by Shauna Reed's music playing. Yeah. Now, Steve Wants says what he would do is, if Cayman Carlisle can get the belt of Shauna Reed, who he calls that tall Shauna Reed, because she's got the belt in America, of course, then he said, we'll talk. Now, Red Brocco's not going to allow that, because, as he says, he makes the matches round here, well, not necessarily, because on a lot of occasions, a wrestler's come up to a wrestler and said, perhaps we should have a match. Yeah, go on then. Or, I want a match with you right now. Yeah, here he is. Let's have a match. And Brocco's not been involved at all. Unless he's sitting on some kind of padded throne backstage, smoking a large cigar or some sort, or a nice, or supping a nice glass of port, saying, yes, of course, you have the match, dear boy. That sort of thing. But anyway, he says he makes the matches. And then he says that um, the championship committee have made Reed the interim champ. Well, if that's the case, it sucks to be Cerebral Steve. Because he won the belt last week, either by distraction or not. And um, there'll now be a triple threat match at Revolutionary Road, which is happening in eight days. It's their next premiere event. And um, I'll be able to see it because I can get on the UK W Network. Now, um, I thought, I mean, Steve just won the belt last week and now he's being told he hasn't got it. Is that the case? Is Shauna Reed now the champion? She certainly was um, telling on screen, Cayman Carlisle, that you lost a title belt you didn't even have. Good line. And there wasn't enough Cayman in this segment. He's a great promo. He's also great in the ring. And I look forward to seeing that match at Revolutionary Road. Now, Paul Hubris... He's got a shot at JPR's title, and he's fighting the Yorkshireman in this match. Now, it was a pretty good match, I have to say. Um, one of the best matches of the night. Not in the top two, but up there. Early on, the Yorkshireman, who's a big fella, but so is Hubris. Yorkshireman tries to lift him, couldn't even shift him. Yeah, he was getting nowhere, and so he 
add a Yorkshire tea and that sort of thing, but he does get a hip toss and an arm drag. Then there's a beautiful Paul Hubris wrist lock counter. And what he does is, he doesn't just counter, he pulls on the on the wrist, which propels the Yorkshireman into the buckle. Beautiful. The Yorkshireman gets several close near falls, but then Hubris trip and low elbow is very nice. The Yorkshireman hits a power slam, can't cover him, but because he's taken so much, it's taken so much out of him this match. He does, though, cinch in and hit a nasty German suplex, or a York, Yorkshire suplex. Brett Hadley delights in telling us, and quite right, too. Hubris, and this is extraordinary, ending sequence, hits a risk runner, won't pin him, just punches him, ties him up, and an extraordinary, sort of, I don't know, like an octopus move, but on the on the mat. They did the, is the hand going to fall three times? Hubris won't allow that, punches him again, hits the second wrist runner, gets the pin. And he is not done there because he tells Shelby to get up from a chair, he sits down and he scouts his next opponent, JPR. He And on that commentary, in the JPR match, he is just incisive and fun and keeping character beautifully done. The best I have heard, I think. I mean, JPR's up there as well, but the best I have heard. I like Duncan's loquaciousness as well. Loquaciousness and laconic delivery. Now, you've also got people who are just huge. Yes, Big Duncan. He's calling out um, Rex Savage, of course. He wants to um, to fight him. He says he's never here. And even though Jamie Lewis is trying to stop him, he, uh, he, he comes. I mean, he comes on even before the introduction to the to to, um, to showdown has started and calls him out and there's there's Savage's music hits and he is there on promo in his back garden right the thing is if you want to be a big bad wrestler it's probably best not to do a promo in the daylight in your back garden where you can see the washing line and 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 the wooden fence it's probably best not to do that Anyway, they will fight at the pay-per-view, Revolutionary Road. Duncan gives him a lot of um, a lot of anger and hassle for that. And Brett asks the perennial question, are they going to reinforce the ring for that? Yes, quite right. I like that. I like it a lot. You've also got in uh, in, in showdown. Tag teams, fantastic tag teams, nasty tag teams, fast tag teams, powerful tag teams. Here, NRG, who are, of course, um, Hamza and Momentum. They got two chairs this week because they, they had to share a chair last week. They only get one cheek on. And um, this week they are doing the scouting again because Joe Sedgwick and Johan Hunt, otherwise known as part of the Persian Empire, are fighting Jacob Reed and Cliff Harrison, otherwise known as part of the Dogs of War. See how this goes. Because earlier on, the Dogs of War came to NRG and said they wanted a match. They wanted to be part of Revolutionary Road, um, the tag team title match with NRG, as a triple threat tag team match. Now, obviously, as you might expect, I mean, Brocco was, was kind of considering it, but as you might expect, 
Joe and Johan aren't happy about that. And quite right, too. They haven't earned their spot, but I suppose the dogs of war have as well. Oh, it's fiendishly difficult. Who'd be Red Brocco? Not me, I'll tell you that. Even though you could have the cigars and the port and the big padded throne. Apparently, I don't know, but apparently. Um, but anyway, he says, OK, let's make this a triple threat match. Oh, I mean, the Persian Empire aren't going to be happy about that, are they? But everybody else is, and I'm rather happy about it as well, because it was the best match of the night, I suspect. It's great, actually, including a superb Johan Hunt head scissors, and then a, a sort of head scissors and a head smack. So he uses the scissors to smack the head right into the mat. Beautiful. Wonderful. Then you've got a reed counter from a guillotine to a suplex. That is beautiful. Harrison leapt off the apron onto everybody. Well, not everybody in the building, just the people he was fighting, you know. Well, actually, people he was fighting and his partner. Yeah. There was a huge hunt bulldog, a massive... Um, well, he ran into the corner and did it. Huge Cliff Harrison, foot to the face. I mean, you heard it resound. That was massive. And Hunt took Reed off the apron just as Cliff Harrison was to get the pin. I love it when you get a bit of wrestling entertainment like that. But Cliff wasn't done. He hit a victory roll and then rolled through from that victory roll for the tag. It's almost as to say, I need to get there somehow. How can I do that? I could crawl, but I know. I'll do a victory roll. That takes some doing, does it not? Fantastic. Reed got up for a drop kick, which always looks fantastic to me. There was a doomsday device. Um, and um, Jay Briscoe was mentioned, quite right. Joe Sedgwick hit his blue thunderbomb, which always is good. I love seeing it for a 2.9. And then Cliff countered the magic killer. He saw it coming and rolled through on Hunt for the pin. It was the best thing of the night. And I absolutely loved it. Now... What you've also got are some tag team shenanigans here because you've got surprises. They do surprises very well, UKW, and they don't mind mixing it up because, as you know, the head honcho of the company, is your time's crossword has been completed, my liege. And uh, he's in the Persian Empire, didn't like it. It was a stipulation. And uh, stipulation for the nation. And you've got... Um, him teaming with Mustafa Khan. Now, they have a mutual respect, really, and they have teamed before in different times, so it's wonderful that they are teaming now because they're a great tag team, and they're having their trouble with Uther and Frolly and Demon Crow, who, of course, are being um, controlled by Damian Black, but he's not part of the firing squad. And Brett has to say, it's the firing squad. He has to make it clear. I think my flying squad um, stuff is getting out there a bit too much, perhaps. It's Uther and Flaming Damon Crow. They're the flying squad, like the Sweeney. But the Sweeney were actually good. Now then, the thing is that this week... I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Sort of. This week, they were out of thought because you've got Damien Black on promo talking about this is my world now and I'm going to do it. And when I go to the shops, it's my shop and I buy my cans of lager and I take them to my house. And then when I drink them, they're in my belly. That sort of thing. I don't know what it was exactly. I zoned out. I tend to with Damien Black. I'm not a Damien Black fan. But afterwards, because everyone was looking at it going, oh, Damien Black speaking, I've zoned out. 
Sedgwick managed to get behind Crow and Uther and smacked him up a bit. Yeah. Rolled, um, it was Uther, wasn't it, into the, um, was it Damon Crow? No, it was Uther. He was slammed on the outside and then rolled into Khan to hit a choke slam. And Damon Crow didn't go to pick it. And, I mean, Shelby was quite right and Brett were quite right to say, well, will he go and save his mate? Yeah, but there are two blokes in the ring. You really do need to... I mean, it, it's more savvy and understandable if he stays there. Yeah, i tell you what, I'll just go in on my own and the same fate will befall me and I'll have done nothing. So that was a bit better, but not good enough, really. Now, we've also got people that we really like. JPR, one of the most popular champions in Brit wrestling and probably in wrestling at the moment. Very loud gentleman, wears his heart on his sleeve, very emotional, really, I mean, went off on one with uh, with Paul Hubris, who was, of course, sitting at, at the commentary desk. Yeah, not bad, actually, this match. Not bad at all. He made um, Mercer wait for ages, sitting there for his Shearer kick, his Alan Shearer kick. Mercer filled the time, but there you go. As Paul Hubris said, well, when I find him, I won't be sitting there. Well, no, but he did make him do it, and it was very good for Mercer to do that. Now, earlier on, we had seen um, Paul Hubris giving Mercer a piece of paper and then looking at the camera and pushing the camera away, and it became clear that the Mercer... <clears throat> Just check my diary. Oh, yeah, I've got that filling then. I have to change that, I think. I don't think I'll be able to speak on that day properly. Oh, maybe I'll... Nerry was uh, was paid or certainly hired to take out JPR and there is no and not to the zoo or for some ice cream either to actually take him out to beat him up and um it's it, I mean you can understand why hubris does that he's smart in a wrestling nefarious wrestling way and you can't blame him there's lots of bailing here in fact from Mercer in fact he does the I'll walk around the ring and then JPR will follow me. I'll get in the ring and I'll beat him up because I'm waiting for him when he comes back in. It's a well-used trope and I absolutely love it. Got a Mercer Cannonball. That's very nice. His chops, which are huge, and they always have been, fire JPR up. So Mercer just rakes the eyes. That's great. Then Hubris gets involved. JPR is distracted. Mercer brings the chair in. It's a DQ. And then he attacks the ankle, which we know was broken in the past. And it's great work. Great work from UKW to do that. Now, have I missed anything? Yes, I have. We've also got people that we love to love to hate. And it's a bit of a messy storyline, this. And I wish it wasn't so messy. Because it involves the Persian Empire. And it involves Sheikh Maktoum. Whose work people seem to like. And I think it's a bit too much sometimes. He's the round-the-clock champion. He calls the belt clocky. And he has got a stipulation that if he... Um, beat Castle at Revolutionary Road, then he will keep the belt and join the Persian Empire. So he comes out with the Persian Empire. Why don't the Persian Empire say, we don't want you here, you're not part of... They really, I mean, they tolerate him. And um, Chris Castle doesn't like that. And he's a member of the Persian Empire. So even though people don't like Chris Castle, he's got a point. There was quite a lot of distraction here. For instance, Muktoon getting a chair and giving out crisps. He gave some skittles to uh, to Brett, who was loving that, and it was fighting Horus 
um, young Horus, Chris Castle here. You know he's going to get beaten, don't you? There's a Horus Bulldog, Chris Castle Bales. There's, there are Chris Castle Kicks and a Clothesline. There's a Bouncy Castle chant, and then he does it, which is, of course, the earthquake thing. He comes off the ropes, pretends to hit a home run, hits the leg drop. It's beautifully done, you know. And there was a what looked like a really weak Castle Chop, really resounding, but he hit a power bomb and a really sweet Michinoku driver. That was really nice. Horace came back with kicks, huge one to the face to end that little run, and I thought it was ended, but he wasn't a running knee. Now, in the end, Castle was distracted by McToom, and there was a big hit by Horace for the distraction pin. It was messy, and McToom was on the mic, being even messier. I like his work, but I can't take too much of it. <clears throat> yeah, anyway. This was the second best match of the night, this one coming up, and it was a debut match. Now, it was Hunyuda Tamas, who's come all the way from Hungary apparently, and Dan Evans. Well, hang on, have they already got a Dan Evans? We got Captain Dan Evans. If I was Captain Dan Evans, I'd be a bit concerned that another wrestler is allowed to be called Dan Evans. Anyway, this match was back and forth, really nice. Big Tamas hip top, big chops, big atomic drop to back suplex, that was nice. Lovely knee breaker, quite nasty from Evans. An apron leg drop, leg drop. I like a tree of woe, that looked good for a two count, because he got the got the you know the the kicks in and all of that. Nice side effect from Tamas for a long two, but and Tamas got the spear for the pin, which was good because people didn't like Dan Evans. Dan Evans number two, perhaps you should call him. Anyway, that was the second best match of the night. And when you've got debutantes who can do that, it really is something special. And so is UKW. Love it. It was great to watch. I really enjoyed it. And they kick it in every week. Quality. Keep it up. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.